Most of you probably know this song, correct? I actually just want to read the words. This is 327. More like the master I would ever be, more of his meekness, more humility. Now that's a work of the Lord, a work of the Spirit in our lives to bring that, uh, the meekness and humility that we lack to bring it closer to what the Lord has. More zeal to labor, more courage to be true, more consecration, or you could say more dedication for work he bids me do. Uh, More like the master is my daily prayer, more strength to carry crosses I must bear. And many Christians are not interested in the cross that the Lord has for them to bear. They will quote, they will talk about the cross that Jesus Christ died upon and how we need to receive the sacrificial offering of Christ. But as far as a personal cross, there are many who deny that. There are are many who skirt that. And the cross that he has for you and I will be tailored to you and I, whatever that may be. And it seems to me that as you walk with the Lord, that even changes. What he has you bear in one particular facet or area of your life, age of your life, development, later he has other things. Then he goes on and he says, um, more self-denial, third stanza, more self-denial like his in Galilee, more like the master, I long to ever be. Now, that is a tremendous desire to want to be like the Lord, to want to uh, have a spirit developed in you like his to some degree. And then in 376, I'll just read some of the stanzas in this song. Jesus calls me. The call goes out. The call goes out to everyone. Whosoever will, let him come. And once an individual comes and becomes a Christian, then there's the personal call of God to them, to their life. You know, to what He wants them to do uh, at the present and even later on down the line. Jesus calls me. I must follow. Follow Him today. Now. The songwriter here says, I must follow, and that is spoken from a softened heart. We know that there are a lot of Christians who are not at this time following the Lord, and they can't sing this, Jesus calls me, I must follow, because they're not following. I must follow is a heart that's softened, that senses the call of God, you know, to whatever. And they say, oh, I sense that, Lord. I see that. I must follow. Now, to become like him, we must follow. We know that. The disciples, they left what they were doing. They came and they followed. Uh, You are a follower of Jesus, so that means you must follow him. Now turn to John. We'll start with this. I want to talk about the light of life. That phrase is used several times, I believe, in Psalms. 
And Jesus uses that phrase, the light of life. But I want to start here in John 6, verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Or he who is presently believing in me has life. Now the word life, the English word, most of the time in the New Testament, not always, but most of the time it's translated by the word, Greek word zoe. And many of you have heard the word zoe. Zoe means to live. There are instances in the New Testament where it's referring to your physical life. You, know, you are living, you are alive, you are a physical being. It also refers to spiritual life or eternal life, as he says here. The life that comes to us initially by a work of the Spirit, we are birthed from above. And that is called Zoe life. And in some scriptures, you will see Jesus, he will say, he'll use the same Greek word. Uh, here it says Zoe and Zoe, one referring to physical life and one referring to spiritual life. What he wants, what he desires, where he wants us to be, where he wants to, wants to take us. Now in John 5.40, you can turn there. We're coming back to chapter 6 in a minute. John 5.40, But you are not willing to come to me. Now the setting for this verse is Jesus heals on the Sabbath, and the religious leaders, the Jews, they tell the individual that was healed, you know, that why are you carrying your bed for? It's the Sabbath. You know you're not supposed to do that. So Jesus intentionally heals on the Sabbath, and he does it for a reason. And you will find in your personal life the Lord will do certain things, and you will not quite understand what he's doing. But if you walk with him, later on you will understand. Uh, understanding and revelation will come later. It doesn't come immediately. What we need to do is follow, do what we see before us, what he's showing us before us, and that's all we need to be concerned about. We don't need to be concerned about the past. We don't need to be concerned about the future. But we need to walk in the present. That's where we, that's where we live. We need to have our attention upon here, the, the present, the Spirit teaching us and so forth how to walk. So in this verse here, Jesus said, but you are not willing to come to me, See, because he did something with them, or he was trying to do something with them, but he was doing something that was ruffling their feathers. He was healing on the Sabbath. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life, that you may have this Zoe. Now, they had physical life, Zoe, but they did not have the life, the spiritual life, Zoe, that the Lord wanted. So he says, you're not coming to me, and because you're not coming to me, you cannot have this life that I have for you. And so the certain things the Lord does, and Paul talks about this in Galatians, it will take a certain 
walk or a certain path to obtain certain things. You cannot just live the way you want, the way you think, the way I think, the way things, you know, have been coming the way they always are, and just flounder around as a Christian and obtain the life that Jesus talks about and the Bible teaches in uh, John 6.53. Jesus says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. See, they had physical life. But he says, Unless you are going to receive and take and partake of this sacrifice, meaning himself, where he's going to give his flesh and is going to give his blood as an atonement, unless you eat that or unless you take that and partake of that, you will not have life, Zoe. Now, of course, the context there is, I believe, speaking of initial salvation. But the Bible says different things about obtaining life, and I have three scriptures or three examples talking about obtaining life. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. You will find this as you study and read the Bible that Jesus and the apostles, Paul, they will make statements. Now, I look at the words many times, I go into the Greek, and even if you do that, there are certain things you will not see unless the Spirit of God opens your eyes to the light of life. So that Paul will make statements and he will say something about life. Now, he doesn't go in and explain it. Jesus, we just read three verses. Jesus didn't explain to them what he was saying because the explanation is not going to be what will convince and draw and have the person to move in the way. It will take a personal revelation by the Spirit of God personally with the individual to understand the difference between Zoe and Zoe, between the physical life and the spiritual life. Oh, and, and once sometimes people receive Christ and become Christians, they think that they, they know everything. They think that they know what life really is. Now, they have a deposit. They have uh, the first fruits of the Spirit. They have some understanding, and many times that understanding will help them to move along the lines to obtain what Jesus calls abundant life. I've come that you might have life. So now, he said that to people who were living... But the Zoe he was talking about was the sacrificial atonement that he was going to make, that they needed to take that. Okay, I come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly, which is something more, which is something further, which is something deeper, something that's beyond receiving Jesus Christ. And many of the scriptures, when people read them, they relate to initial salvation, and sometimes they miss what the Lord has for them. They miss the fullness that the Lord wants to draw them into and take them into. Now, in Galatians 
as I said, there are, the Bible says certain things about obtaining life. Verse 8, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption or ruin or decay. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life or reap life. So in order for me as a Christian to reap this life, he's not talking about initial salvation. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. These people were saved. He's talking about sowing to the Spirit to reap a, a more abundant, uh, a, a more full relationship, if you will, uh, uh, something that is greater, something that is further than initial salvation. And if you go over to chapter 5, verse 17, this um, word here, let me look at, read this again. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Or those who are being led or they come under, they surrender to the leading of the Spirit in their life will enter into greater life. Or those who their desires are the same as the desires of the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit has desires. In verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do what you wish. So here you see the lust, it means desires. So the Spirit lusts or desires something. It's, it's opposite than what your flesh would want, what, what you would desire in the natural. So the Spirit has desires. We must follow Jesus in order to understand and move into what the Spirit desires for us. So that each person here, the Spirit of God desires something for you, and that is quite a, a broad statement. A lot of things can be moving in that. You know, he wants things from you. He wants things for you. Uh, he wants to do certain things in your life to bring you along the line so that you obtain a more fuller life in God or in Christ than you had before, last month, last year, you know, 20 years ago, however long that may be. So it says here that, that he who sows to the Spirit, this is um, Galatians 6, 8, will of the Spirit reap. Now that's a future tense verb there, reap, and it means a harvest. See, a harvest of what? A harvest of life. They're going to reap a harvest of life. When? Later on after there is a sowing in the Spirit for some time. And this reaping of life is not initial salvation. This is, again, something that is more full and something that is deeper. Turn to Romans chapter 8. It's, it's interesting whenever you start to study the Scriptures, we normally think, okay, to receive life, 
you have to receive Christ. And that's how we think. And that's true. But when you start to look at different verses in um, certain epistles and in the Gospels, you will see that they'll say one thing about life, that this is what you need to do for life. And then over here it says something else you need to do for life. And over here it says something else you need to do for life. And you say, now what's going on here? It's not talking about initial salvation. Sometimes it is, but not always. In Romans 8, verse 6, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. Spiritually minded. Well, what is spiritually minded? Uh, that your spirit is of the spirit. See, our spirits can be of this world. Our spirits can be of the spirit. Our spirits can be of our own will and desire. So, I believe he's talking about the source. See, what is my source? Is my source as a Christian myself? In, in other words, do I deny myself and take up my cross, or do I just do not deny myself and I do what I want? So, if I do what I want, I'm still a Christian, but I'm not going to, again, obtain the life that Christ wants. See, because my spirit is dominated by me instead of being dominated by the Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit, in Galatians, is referring to those who are dominated by the Spirit. Now, see, I can say that and do something different. I can teach it. And people can say yes and not really come under the impact of that in their own life. And there are some Christians that, I mean, they really don't know a whole lot about having their spirits dominated by the Holy Spirit. Because, see, we're talking about another realm. And in this realm, you must learn by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit must teach us. Somehow the Lord has to come by and open something up and show us what's going on, and then there must be a response so that now we see the light of life and we begin to walk in the light of life. So that if we are ever going to, de to be developed like the Lord wants, we must see and we must do or we must be obedient and cooperate and walk in whatever it may be. If we don't, just seeing the light of life will not be enough. It will, will not be enough to bring about this life that the Lord truly wants for us. So there is, as you know, a pattern of life. And I'm not talking about physical. That, there's a pattern there, too. But there is a pattern for initial salvation. And, and that pattern is you must believe in Jesus Christ. So that's, that's a, a pattern. There's also a pattern for the abundant life, or the deeper life, if you will. 
And that will be different. You just can't do what you did initially. You come up to the front or whatever and you receive Christ. Okay, that's good. But now it's totally different because you're, you're going to start to move into the realm of the Spirit where things are not as cut and dry as they were at initial salvation. So now there must be a dependency upon the Lord. There must be a dependency upon the Spirit to, to bring life, to illuminate that light of life now, so that we can begin to see and walk in that. And this is something that must go on in our lives uh, for us to ever develop the way we should. So there is a pattern. Now I'll turn to 2 Peter. See, it's not what we do, it's what we become by minding the spirit. See, not minding the flesh, but minding the spirit. And that can't be taught. I mean, it can be taught, but as far as the personal, the individual, you know, that individual person, you can't teach that. That must be taught by the Spirit. Jesus says, you know, this is life, and he doesn't go into it, you know, because he knows that it's going to take a revelation of the Holy Spirit to actually show an individual. You can actually talk to someone, and you can take the Bible, and you can show it to them in the Bible. You can tell it to them. You can do everything in your power to show it to them. But unless something else occurs there in their heart, they will never see it. And even those who once walked with the Lord and have veered away, you can say something, you can show them something, and they may even agree with you. But as far as the personal illumination and the walking in that that's going to take them to greater life, that, that's, that's not there any longer. It's just, it's gone. Now, they may be Christians, but as far as this abundant life, that's something different, something much different. In 1 Peter, or no, excuse me, 2 Peter, chapter 1. The light of life. Verse 3. As his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life. Now the context to me seems to be talking about, because uh, it talks about in the next verse, uh, the, the exceeding precious promises. So the all things here. Paul talks about all things in another, in Corinthians I believe it is. He's talking about a greater spectrum of things. Here... I believe it's, it's more limited to what he brings to you and I in, uh, in hopes of our development. So, um, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life, Zoe, you know, that which he wants to develop, the spiritual life, the spiritual man, the spiritually minded, through the knowledge of him. So, once again... There must be a personal connection to the Lord and there must be a drawing upon him or a dependency upon him to bring the light of life so that 
as we saw with the song, Jesus calls me, I must follow. The heart is softened so that when the light of life comes, now we can follow in that. Now turn to Psalm 56. Now in the King James and New King James, it's, it's uh, translated a little different. Uh, the Amplified, the NIV, and several others translates the end of this verse a, a little different. They're both true, but I'm going to actually quote the end of it from uh, the Amplified. Verse 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. Why? Why has the Lord delivered your soul from death? You, you were all once dead in trespasses and sin. Why has the Lord delivered your soul from death? And you have not kept my feet, you have kept my feet from not falling. Well, why has he done that? So that I might walk before God in the light of life. So that I might walk before the Lord in the light of life. So he's delivered you and I from death, not just as a lot of people think to take us to heaven. Well, okay, we'll get there. It's no problem. But he's delivered your soul from death. Now you have initial salvation. Now he wants to move on with you so that I might walk in the light of life. The light of life. Now I'll share something with you about this trip that Linda and I were on. And I have to give you a little bit of background. Oh, I would say probably like five years ago, uh, Linda wanted to go on a cruise. And so we decided this year that we'd go on a cruise. Never went on a cruise in our life. So a few months ago, I had so much money to, to use. And so I started to search for a cruise. And the days that... I could go with the amount of money that we had was on RFKC week or it was on the weeks that we needed to be here for work. They asked us to, to stay and because I told them I was going on vacation. And I did this probably, I, I waited every three or four days I went on and searched all the major cruise lines. So it was constantly coming up and I say this I don't think the Lord wants us to go. Linda says, I don't think the Lord wants us to go on a cruise either. So we shelved that. But I felt to go visit family. So I haven't seen my sisters for a long time. She hasn't seen her sisters for quite a while. So we decided to do that. When I was 17 years old, I had this desire. When I was in high school, the only desire... Well, not the only desire, but one of the biggest desires I had in my life was when I graduated school, I wanted to move out of Pittsburgh. Didn't want to live in Pittsburgh. Well, I won't bore you with all the details how the doors closed for me completely. When I was 22, I think it was, a friend that I worked with, him and I went down to Florida. And I liked Florida so much, I said, I am going to go to Florida. I liked the weather, I liked, just liked it. Well, that never transpired. And I, I said, well, okay. Then I came to the Lord, and then he changed that. And I knew the Lord wanted me to stay here in Pittsburgh. 
So I was okay with that, and I was at peace with that, but not always. There were times when I would get this urge. I, I was drawn to Florida, and that would come very strong at times, and then it would pass. It would come, and it would pass. So I dealt with that for years because I knew that I was going to, to stay here because the Lord called me here and he wanted me here in Pittsburgh. So I said, okay, I, I can live with that. But still, at times, that was there. Okay, completely wasn't even thinking of this. So when Linda and I go on vacation, we go to Atlanta. We spend four days in the um, Panhandle, Florida. Then we went to my sister's in Orlando, spent five days with her, four or five days with her. Left, came up to visit my other sister. And one of the things I noticed when I was there, when I left, and when I came back home, is that the Lord, now, see, he knew, I, I, I know there were several reasons, but there's probably more reasons than I know why we went on vacation to Florida rather than a cruise. The Lord showed me, and this is, relates to this light of life. He opened that light of life. I could see it. I had no desire any longer for Florida, I had no desire for any other place. My desire was to live and have my being in him, regardless of where it is. Here or there, wherever it may be. And you may say, well, yeah, I understand that. But you don't understand how long that has been in me. And I don't believe that if I was willing to do this, the Lord would have went through all this. I mean, he's just, he's good. But he orchestrated this whole thing so that he could show me that he's done something. And I can't even tell you when that happened. It must have been recently, I don't know, the past year, I don't know. But that which was in me is gone, so it doesn't matter. If I go to Florida, if I go here, I go there, it doesn't, if I stay here, it doesn't matter. But what does matter is that I stay in the way, I stay where I'm to be, so that I can develop and have more of the life of Christ. See, it will take years and years sometimes to take certain things out of our heart. And even if we're obedient to the Lord and we walk in the way he's showing us, that does not necessarily mean that that work is done and completed in us. See, it may take a while. It may take certain circumstances. And then now the Lord will intervene and he does what he does and it's gone. I, I don't know how he does what he does but he's good at it. And so here, that thing that was there, kind of like somewhere, that would show itself occasionally, whew, gone. 
Why has he delivered me from death? That I might walk in the light of life. And so all of us must walk in the light of life so that the Lord can help us, can bring us over the things that hinder us, and so that we can move on with him to obtain the abundance of life that he has for us. We're not going to get it any other way. It doesn't matter how much we pray. It doesn't matter how much we come to the altar. It doesn't matter how much we come to church. It doesn't matter how much we read the Bible. All that is not going to do it. It may help. But see, we must walk in the light of life. Let him reveal something to us. I mean, even, you know, I wasn't thinking about any of that. But at a point in time, the Lord just opened it up and illuminated, and I saw it. I was kind of, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty nice. You know, the, the Lord's pretty nice. He takes his time, he works with us, and he shows us, you know, well, you know what? You're not so spiritual here, now are you? <laughs> You're right, Lord. But I want to be of the Spirit. Okay. I'm illuminating this. Walk in it. The light of life. John 8. Now that may not seem a big deal to you, what I just shared. But see, I know me. And it's a big deal to me. And that's just one example. The Lord will do that with all of us as we walk with him. He does that because he wants to bring us to maturity. He wants us to have a fuller relationship with him. You know, the Lord can just, he could take a vacation from us, but he doesn't do that. He's always aware of what's going on in our spirit, even when we're not. And he will orchestrate circumstances through people or whatever it may be, to touch one thing, one little thing in our heart that he wants to touch, he will go out of his way to do things. It's, a, it's amazing to me how he can even do that with you know, all of us. And plus, you know, everybody in the world. It's not coincidence. People will say these things are coincidence, but it's not coincidence. See, if you're walking in the light of life, you will begin to see the hand of the Lord working with you. Then you can just hopefully, and we're not always so surrendered, are we? We're not always in this perfect peace, are we? We're not always where we need to be, are we? Well, the Lord knows, he sees. And he just is gentle and he just comes around Many times when he comes around, he's not necessarily coming around for any particular reason. He's coming around to be with us. And, you know, we might feel threatened, but he's just coming around to be with us. But in the course of time of your life, things will transpire, and hopefully you will be able to see the light of life and start to walk in that. In John 8... 
verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So you will have the light of life. So he brings life initially that's illuminated. And we begin to walk as a Christian. And then as we continue on, he brings the light of life again in different areas, different things, different relationships, whatever it may be, to take us on further. Psalm 116. Have you ever thought you're beyond hope? <laughs> There's no hope for you? I know. I know. Sometimes you get in this thing and you say, well, the Lord loves everybody. He deals with everybody else. You know, he answers prayer. All these great testimonies, but he doesn't do anything for me. Boy, the Lord has his hands full with us, doesn't he, sometimes? But I don't care who you are. The Lord cares about you. And the Lord wants to bring you on further than you are today. And that's why he does the things that he, do he does. To bring something to us, to open something up, to do something in us that we were totally incapable of doing ourselves. You realize there's things that you, you can't change things in you. You can pray about it, but you are who you are, and you have certain faults that you have, and you know, don't be condemned about that. Don't let the devil condemn you. But that's just the way it is. But if you desire to walk with the Lord and you walk with him, now you open up the door for him to do what you could never do, to change things in you that you could never change, to put desires in you that you would never, ever have, to take desires out of you that you knew weren't right, that you just had no power over to do it. That's the God we serve. Psalm 116, verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears. Well, why are you going to do that, Lord? And my feet from falling. Why? Verse 9. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living or in the light of life. I will walk before the Lord in the light of life. And then I'll read this from the NIV. This is uh, in Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? Who's going to live in this place of relationship with you? Who is going to dwell with you in the sanctuary, in this hidden place? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and 
cast no slur on his fellow man, who despises the vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. innocent. He, who does not, um, he who does these things shall never be shaken. So he's talking about a certain heart condition, a, a certain one who he has brought further on, who now can dwell with the Lord in his sanctuary and upon his holy hill. So there is something more, and I always say that. I want to show you something in 2 Corinthians in closing. There is something more for the Christian than initial salvation. As wonderful as initial salvation is, there is much in the Bible that talks about something more and something fuller. And it seems to me that many Christians uh, are unaware of certain things. There are a lot of Christians who go to church and put in their hour and go home, and, and you know their hearts are, are, are good. They've, they've come to Christ. But when they get home, they may not even go into sin or anything like that, but there is no desire, or put it this way, it says, run the race for the prize that's set before you. There is not this desire for something more, for something greater, to have a closer relationship with the Lord in those different things. And without that desire and hunger, I believe it's much harder for the Lord to take a Christian from where they are spiritually on. I'm not talking about onto heaven. I'm talking about onto a fuller, more mature place. And not talking even about their understanding, you know, their, their intellect or what they understand of the Bible. I'm talking about what he does in spirit. See, all these things, the Bible will aid us in this. But it's not going to replace the work of the spirit to do that. So in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6 who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. We are to be ministers of the new covenant, but he says something here in the verse that is very key. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. We are to be um, ministers of the new covenant in spirit. How can I, how can you be ministers of the new covenant in spirit if we are not walking with him, walking in the spirit, where he's not illuminating. If he's not, he shows the light of life, and we're not walking in that. See, it's going to be very difficult to be the ministers of the, the new covenant that he wants us to be. And I'm not just talking about teaching. I'm talking about living. Minister, minister, being ministers of the new covenant is a way of life, not just teaching or whatever you know, we do. So as I said before, it's not so much what you do, it's what you become through minding the Spirit. See, we must mind the Spirit. You know, we must be open to Him. Jesus calls me, I must follow. We must be open to Him to show us 
the way that we must walk personally. See, the way you are walking, what you are in, what you're to be doing in your life, whatever that may be, is you. It's not me. You know, what the Spirit of God has called Jim to do is for Jim. He's pastor. That's him. That's not you. That's not me at this point. That's him. So whatever it may be for you personally, maybe something very simple, do what you know to do, and the Lord will come, and you'll, you'll see the light of life. Well, when you see the way, then you just take some steps in it. It's not hard. It's easy. You, you move in that direction, and then you stay there. Everyone is tempted to go out of the way. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You'll all be tempted to go out of the way. And there are those that succumb to the temptation. And I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about going out of the way. Going out of the way, a person can still be a Christian. They can still make it to heaven. But they're not in the way. In the way is where they will obtain certain things, certain gems, certain things from the Lord that they would not get anywhere else. So remain in the light of life and walk in the light of life and allow him to illuminate you to what is going on with you.